Good afternoon. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 28 gives us a description of everything I talked about this morning. If you want to summarize what I talked about this morning, these verses do it. But I want to spend a particular amount of time in one particular portion of this as we look at this particular scripture. Before I do, though, I'd like to talk to you about a movie that I saw called Amistad. Amistad was an interesting movie. It tells the story of a slave ship and some slaves that were on board. They were taken over to America to be sold, and the slaves rose up and took control of the ship. And they told the captain that they needed to take them back to their homeland. Well, the captain doesn't do that. He tricks them, and he takes them on to America anyway, and they end up in prison for mutiny, waiting to be finding out what was going to be happening to them. Now, as you look at this, these are poor guys. They're sitting in, in jail cell. They don't know what's about to happen to them, and one of them happens to find a, a Bible sitting in the corner, and he sits down and starts thumbing through it. He can't read English. In fact, he can't hardly speak it. But there's some pictures in there, and he begins to look at the pictures. And his friend comes up to him and says, What are you looking at? And he says, I don't know. But the pictures show this child. He's very special because everywhere he goes, there's a golden halo around him. He says, What is so special about that? Well, I don't know for sure, but he's somebody special because I see him now in this picture. He's grown up more, and, and he's touching someone, and there's that golden glow again. And then he's touching another person, and, and his eyes are open, and he can see, and there's that golden glow. He says, well, that's an interesting story. He says, but there's more. He says, there's more. He says, people apparently don't like him, and they begin to to question him, begin to look at them. They, they look like they're mad at him. Their feast are raised. What about it? Says apparently, they don't like what he's saying or what he's doing. I'm not sure, but they put him in jail and they beat him. And then he makes this interesting talk. He says, "Well, it's just a story." He says, "No, they take this man and well, they put him on this cross." And they kill him. Now Zamba, that's the guy asking all the questions to Sinke, who's telling the story. As they're looking at these pictures, they begin to scratch their heads about what's going on with this story. So he says, well, he must have done something bad. He said, no. He said, what makes it bad? What have we done? We're going to die just like him. And he said, that's just a story. He says, but it's not the end of the story. According to the script, according to the pictures, this man comes back from the dead. And he's risen. And he starts talking to his friends. And the Bible says he appeared before his people again. And then he spoke to them. Then finally he rose up into the sky. And Sinke begins to look at the picture. And... Samba doesn't really know what to say. They're all emotional, and as he looks at the picture, he says, this is where the soul goes when you die here. This is where we're going when they kill us. And Zamba says, 
It doesn't look so bad. What a story. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, even in its most elementary form, even when you don't know the entire story, can bring comfort and peace and hope, even from just pictures, understanding what it's all about. This afternoon, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the resurrection. You know, it's the most hotly contested scripture, scriptural study in the world today. There's a lot of people who claim that this man, Jesus, didn't live. Well, historically, even from outside records, we can prove that he lived. Well, they say he didn't die on a cross, but historically we can prove that he died and that he was buried. What they want you to believe is that he was not risen again. And there's a group of Christians who are going in to explain how that even though he didn't really rise again, what that does for us. And that's all wrong. The resurrection is at the heart of our understanding of Jesus as the Christ, of Jesus as God, of Jesus as the Son of God. If Jesus didn't raise from the grave, then you and I don't really have a reason to be here, do we? So I want to look a little bit at what the resurrection means and about how it can help us. If you have your Bibles handy, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And we're going to do a little reading here. In fact, we're going to read through about 28 verses. And I have my glasses here. Beginning in chapter 15, beginning verse 1. And my Bible is my son's study Bible. And I like what it says here. It says, the risen Christ is faith's reality. I love that, that talk or that title above this chapter. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose up again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, and then by the twelve, after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. Then last of all, he was seen by me also, as by one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain." But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or, thy, or they, so we preach, and so you believe. Now if Christ is preached that he has been risen from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty." Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we of all men are most pitiful. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward those who are Christ that is coming, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death, for he has put all, enemy, all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Folks, that's a lot of, a lot of understanding about the resurrection and what it's about. You know, the question of the resurrection is not a new thing. It's not just the Jesus product project and all the other different religions in the world who claim Jesus didn't rise from the dead, but it was even in the early church where they were having debates. Did this guy really come up from the grave? And he says, if he didn't, then why are we here? And if he did, you can go and talk to people who saw him. He was confident and full belief that Jesus was risen from the dead. Paul makes three points in this that I want to hit. There's a bunch of them that we could go over, but I want to look at just basically three right now. Paul's first point is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Now you might think that's an elementary thought, but the truth is at that time it was very powerful in the way that he presented it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, he comes up and says, I declare to you the gospel. Now did you read that closely? We talked about it this morning, but listen to what it says. I preached it, and you received it, and you stand in it, and you are saved in it if you still believe in it, if your belief is not in vain. And he goes on to say, I delivered to you that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. The first part of the resurrection is that Jesus died. He died on a cross. He went there for our sins. He went there for your sins, for your mother's sins, for the sins of everybody that you know and everybody that you come into contact with. Jesus has paid the price for their sins. Are we going to redeem that? That's a different story. But understanding Jesus and what He did, it's important to know that He died for our sins. He was buried in a grave, literally had the, the stone rolled over the grave, it was sealed, it was guarded, and yet it says, and then he rose again the third day. The biggest point Paul wanted to make to people was that Jesus Christ is truly risen from the grave. And it means a lot of things to us. First off, he says there's eyewitnesses, and he begins to call out these eyewitnesses. In case there was any skeptics, you see, he names names. <laughs> it's not like, yeah, he was seen you know, over here in this town and he was seen in that town. He says, no, folks. He was seen, first of all, by Cephas. Then he was seen by the apostles and James. And then over 500 people saw him at once. And they saw him rise up into heaven. Lastly, 
He said he was seen by me. These are people that you could go and talk to. He said, not, not all of them are still alive. Some of them have already passed away. They've fallen asleep. A Jewish euphemism for having passed away or having died. But the, the, the bulk of them were still around. You could go talk to them. You could find out what they saw. You could find out what they were experiencing because of that. In fact, he tells them, go and talk to these people who saw the risen Christ with their own eyes. Okay, now he makes an interesting statement as one born out of due time. I used to think that that was Jesus as coming in when he wasn't supposed to be here like that, but that's not what that's saying. He appeared to me, and I was one abnormally born. You see, this whole thing, he's given his apostleship, he's given people to understand why he believes Jesus is the Son of God, and he said, I came into it not like everybody else. He didn't spend all that time with the apostles and Jesus as he walked on the earth. His initial work with the Christians was to persecute the church, send them to prison, put them to death, make sure that the church did not survive. And then he sees Jesus risen from the grave and has a discussion with Jesus Last of all, he was seen as one born out of due time. His second point is there is, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus Christ has not risen. And you read it and you start listening to what he's saying. He goes from stating the absolute to now he's, he's stating the absurd. I believe Jesus was risen from the grave, but if he didn't, then everything else is crazy, Right? And that's really his argument. He's arguing it from the negative side. What all does he say? Paul's total certainty of the resurrection made him puzzled by some of the thinking that was going on at Corinth that he hadn't been resurrection. And so, coming from the negative side, he begins to show the foolishness of their thinking. We can't have resurrection and we can't have eternal life without it. If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul said, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? You know, there was a, the Jews had two sects. They had the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Sadducees did not believe in life after death. And the Pharisees did. They didn't believe in a resurrection. Tim, is that right or did I get that backwards? That's the right one. I always usually get it backwards. <laughs> The Pharisees believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees did not. And they would have arguments. In fact, Paul got out of trouble one time when they had him in court. <laughs> he said, what's the problem? He says, well, I'm being called into question on the resurrection. One side says there's not, and one side says there is, and I believe there is. So, and then they start fighting each other, and you know, Paul walks out and says, you know, let them deal with it. Paul believed in the resurrection. So why is it that some of you are preaching that Jesus was not resurrected? Now there's a lot of people in today's world that believe the same thing. If Jesus had not ris been risen from the dead, then our preaching is useless, he says. It makes no sense to go on and on and tell others about Jesus if he's still dead. That's in verse 14, basically. He goes on to say that your faith is useless. The apostles would be a false witness. In verse 15, 
your faith would be futile. Again, in verse 17, he says, you are still in your sins because Jesus' sacrifice was not an acceptable sacrifice, right? If he didn't raise from the dead. The Christians who have died are still lost. And lastly, he says, we as Christians should be pitied in verse 19. We are nothing but fools to go through hardship and persecution for the sake of Jesus if he's not the risen Lord. Now we have no reason to believe any of the promises if Jesus is not risen from the grave. And that's the summation of Paul's arguments. If Jesus hasn't been risen from the grave, then to deny the resurrection is to rip the heart right out of Christianity and we don't have a leg to stand on. So in order to understand Jesus then, Paul makes the point again, he says, because of all that, you have to go back and realize that Jesus has indeed risen. All of that foolishness about him not being risen from the grave is superseded by people who've actually seen him, witnessed him, talked to him, walked on the road to Emmaus, saw him above 500 people being risen in the club, and then lastly by me, and I saw him on the road to Damascus, and let me tell you, it's real. If anybody had a way or had a reason to deny, doubt, or push it away, Paul was that person. What did Paul do? You know, when he described himself before Christianity, he says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. I was strict. I was guiltless before the law. I persecuted the church. I knew that it couldn't be right. And then he saw the risen Christ. Look at what he says in the beginning in verse 21 of the 15th chapter. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. He's looking at Jesus and he says, Because he is risen, I have hope to be raised from the grave. I don't have to die and cease to exist because that's all there is if Jesus hasn't been risen from the grave but he says the truth is he has been risen he has gone to heaven he's the first fruits and the first fruits there really delineate what it means to be the first of many the first of many and those who have fallen asleep are those who have died. People who have died don't have to worry because there is a resurrection and life in Jesus Christ because Jesus is the first fruits. That means that not only did Jesus rise up from the grave, not only was he seen, he was seen eating. He was seen being touched. He was seen walking among them and teaching a little bit more. And he made some interesting promises. But most importantly, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you can come also. Wow. Not only did Jesus raise from the grave 
and is now living eternally, but we have hope of eternal life living with Him in the resurrection. That should excite you. That should make all of the stresses of this life easier to bear because you know that this is just a preparatory stage and our development as children in God's kingdom, as children of the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24 through 26 says that then the end will come. When? When all the resurrections take place. He says, when he hands over the kingdom of God the Father to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign, who's he? Jesus must reign until all enemies are put under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is just the beginning of the conquest of death. You and I, the Bible says, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And I want you to know that we're all going to face that time in life where we cease to exist in this plane. But with the resurrection, our existence is guaranteed to be risen with Him to a life eternal in the kingdom, in the glory of the Father. This life is just preparing us for that life. This life is something so weird that the angels try to understand how faith works. How can you believe in something you've never seen, you've never touched, you've never tasted, you've never smelt it, none of your senses have ever really interacted with it, and yet you believe that Jesus is the risen Savior? Do you really believe that? Because Paul did, the apostles did, they bet their life on it. You know, it's one thing to start a cult. That's another thing to stake your life on it. And when you go and look at all the hardships and sufferings that they went through, at some point they should have broke. At some point they should have gave up. But they spent their life preaching and teaching Jesus, His crucifixion, His burial, and his resurrection. John says that all of these things were written down so that we would believe. Isn't that neat? That's how it's supposed to be. So let's apply this to us personally. A Jesus who did not rise from the dead is not the real Jesus. If somebody is telling you that Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then they don't know Jesus, do they? If they're talking about somebody who faked his way through it and started living with Mary Magdalene later on in life in somewhere in Egypt somewhere, they don't know Jesus the Christ. They've got a fictitious Jesus that somebody wants them to hold on to. Who would somebody want to do that? We've talked about him all morning long. It's our adversary. He doesn't want us to believe that. He doesn't want us to have hope in his resurrection. He doesn't want you to think that this life will continue on in heaven with God. 
He wants you to think this is it. It's over. It's done. Whether you accept him as your prophet or not doesn't matter to Satan as long as you don't accept Christ. The truth is we need to remember what the true reality is. You know, it's disturbing to me that the people that see themselves don't see themselves as attacking Jesus and Christianity when they make a lot of these claims. Not everybody's open, hostile, openly hostile to Christianity. They just want you to see reason. They want you to see facts. They want you to step out and look at the real picture as they see it. They do not want to see the reality of Jesus' resurrection. Anybody ever saw the story, Jesus Christ Superstar? I remember that story. In fact, John Legend was just on TV doing the whole musical. It was a musical, by the way. If you don't like musicals, well, I'm sorry. But, you know, this whole story depicts Jesus and some of his teachings. It depicts Jesus and his mercy and his love. And it depicts Jesus in his persecution and his beatings. And it depicts Jesus in his crucifixion. And the climactic end in the musical is the lights fading away and the credits coming up. And that's where it ends. That's what Satan wants you to believe, is that that's where it ended, right there. When I saw that, I thought, Where's the next step? There's something more. If I remember correctly, ever, quite a number of you here went to Branson, Missouri. Is that right? Y'all had a wonderful trip. I wish I could have gone with you. The whole point was they showed the next step, didn't they? They showed the real reality. That resurrection is at the heart of Christianity. It is the reality in which you and I coming up out of the waters live in. I don't live for this world. I don't live for my job. I live because I'm walking towards or headed towards something that's so much better than this that even my brain can't get it all into one place. Someone said, how do you explain eternity? I said, you can't. He said, we'll try. I said, we'll look into space. Go to a cloudless night in a dark, dark place and look up at the sky. Count how many stars you see. And then look a little further and a little deeper and a little further and a little deeper. And they just keep going and going. You can't get it all in. Our minds are finite. To understand eternity with God is to understand the wonderful end to the mystery that he has opened up to us in Jesus Christ. But you can't have any of that if you don't believe in the resurrection. Because of the resurrection, we don't need to fear that death. We've all had somebody that we've lost. Father, brother, sister, mother, son, daughter, aunt, uncle, good friends, acquaintances, we've all lost somebody. And it's going to happen to us all. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul writes this, and I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
even so God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. There is a resurrection for us after death. It's going to happen. You can make bank on that, as a friend of mine would say. It's true and it's real. You know, John Bunyan in The Pilgrim's Progress had two characters. One character was named Christian and one was Hopeful. And in his book, he writes that they come up to this river to cross over in the realm of death. And Hopeful, or Christian begins, uh, excuse me, Hopeful begins to go across and Christian begins to follow him. And later, as they're going across, Christian says, I don't know, it's looking awful deep. I don't know. And Hopeful says, don't worry, brother. I've been on the bottom, I've touched the bottom, and it's all good. And they're going across. Now, it's an interesting book to think about, but you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You know, I've been with a lot of people as they pass from this life, as they've fallen asleep, as it were. And it's astounding to me the differences in the way people accept death at the moment that it happens. As a nurse working in ICUs and cardiac cath lab and ER, and I've done a lot of it, and I've seen a lot of people who've had to move from this earthly realm to the next. And you know, those who have a strong belief and understanding in Christ, they're not afraid. That reach that moment, and it's like peace. But I've been with others who are terrified because they've never prepared themselves for the reality of the resurrection. Folks, you don't have to be afraid. Christian and hopeful have already crossed over. They know what it's like. The ground is solid. It is good and it's okay. And the waters will not pull you away. Don't worry about crossing the river. You know, even Jesus, and I'll just be honest with you, Jesus really didn't look forward to the way that he was going to die. <laughs> he said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. In his humanity, he feared the manner of his death. He did not fear the result. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that he would not be left in hell. He knew that he would not be left in the, the death and that the gates of death would not prevail against him. Satan would not win. It was prophesied in Genesis all the way to his death and beyond that Jesus was going to rise from the dead, but that didn't mean that he enjoyed the crossing. So it's okay if you are tre have trepidation about the crossing, but understand, peace comes knowing the final place and what's really going to happen. You see, because of the resurrection, we can have confidence in the power of God. We know what we're looking forward to. We know where we're going and where we're headed. And, you know, people ask me about this peace that God wants to give us. This is it. If you live in the power of His resurrection, everything else is just there. We're using it to learn. We're growing. We're becoming more Christ-like. And we don't have to fear what comes next. 
because he's already been there and done that and he's waiting for us. In Ephesians chapter, excuse me, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 through 21 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Folks, truly with that in your heart, can you not understand Philippians 4, 3, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me? You can get through any situation in your life because Christ is there to strengthen you. He's shown you the way. He's shown what's going to happen. We already know where we're going. We already know we don't have to fear. You know, every time I worried about paying the mortgage on my house, <laughs> and there's been some very tight times as an evangelist, do you know somebody always stepped up to help me out? I didn't ask them. They just knew. They just, Tim, it's the weirdest thing. Y'all would send me a check, and I wasn't even expecting it. I talk to other people, and they talk about the same kinds of things. Not monetarily, but when they needed help, somebody called and said, you know, I was thinking about you today. And they're like, wow. I can get through this. I can make it. Folks, I was with my dad when he died. I stood at the head of the bed, and I was talking to him. When he took his last breath, it looked like his whole countenance changed. And this is not the only time I've seen this. He got a far-off look like there was something that he was going towards. I don't know. But he wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid. He was at peace. And I pray that you can know that kind of peace. There is more in Jesus Christ than this world has to offer. There is hope in Jesus Christ. God points us to the resurrection. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be encouraged. He wants us to rise up, to stand firm, and to be God's person through God's power in the resurrection. The resurrection is real. The resurrection is a reality that we'll, we'll live in. It reminds us that our preparations for the next life are more important than our plans for this life. It tells us that we can have this thought that we want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Folks, the resurrection is a reality. It's something for us to look forward to and not fear. It's something that has power in this life and the one to come. And it is for you, for those who believe and obey our Lord and Savior. If you're not a Christian, you need to do so today. Don't waste your time. 
Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, repenting of your past life, rising up to walk a new life in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We serve a risen Savior. Never forget that. And He looks forward for us being risen with Him also. If you have a need that's too great to go to God with yourself in prayer, or you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus, the time is now. They're open for you to come. Won't you make your desires known as we stand to sing the song that's been selected? The cleansing power, are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you holy, trusting in His grace?